Let us pray. Grant us, O God, to hear your voice, and in hearing your voice, to love your word, and in loving your word, to do your will, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. How do we speak about our experiences of the presence of God? How do we put into words those moments when all of those things that we've been taught about God, what God is like, how God is at work in our lives and world, when they actually happen in some real and unmistakable way? What do we say when the things that we try so hard to believe without being able to see them suddenly are visible and we do see them, experience them, and find ourselves standing in awe in the presence of something overwhelmingly holy? Has that ever happened to you? I'm not assuming that it's happened to everyone here, but I'll bet that many of us are here now because sometime, somewhere, something happened that convinced you that the things that we say and do here are actually grounded in a deep truth and reality that in some way you have experienced, even if it was brief and if the words to describe it are hard to come by. In some very real ways, just about everything that we do when we gather here is an attempt in our words and actions to describe something that's ultimately beyond our ability to put into words and to experience together something that we can't fully explain. To me, the most clear and visible and frankly poignant action in our worship is the lifting of the veil off of the communion vessels before we come to the table and then putting that veil back over them before we go. That simple liturgical gesture is a reminder of how quick and fleeting holy encounters tend to be in life. We spend the better part of an hour here singing about and listening to Bible stories about and praying to a God we're supposed to believe is right here for us right now. And then we pull the veil off and see the bread and the wine and we hear Jesus promise that in, with, and under them we get him, his body and blood, his forgiveness, his life in us, together with each other, together with all the saints in glory, a holy, holy, holy communion with the living God through the risen Christ by the Holy Spirit. And then just as we finish this awesome meal, the veil goes back on. And we have to leave this place and return to a world where that truth stays true, but mostly stays hidden and so, so hard for us to see. This liturgy, this Sunday morning thing that we do is how we speak in words and actions about the presence of God, the awesomeness of God, the experiences we have of God when words alone just won't do. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai and found himself in the presence of God, our Bible talks about that being a bright cloud and a fire and a burning bush that wasn't consumed and how Moses' face glowed with God's reflected light for a long time afterward. And then when Peter, James, and John went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, they were beginning to understand that he was more than just a wise teacher and healer and friend, and they described their experience on that mountain the same terms from the book from the Old Testament, a bright cloud, Jesus' face glowing, his clothes dazzling bright, 
and all at once, past, present, and future come together and make sense in one shining moment. Moses and Elijah, Jesus, all there together. And it's so wonderful. And please, God, let this moment last forever. And then it's over. And they're left, as Matthew puts it so plainly, with just Jesus himself alone. The veil that got lifted for a bright, shining moment is put back in place. And the disciples go down the mountain needing again to believe what they cannot see, but now knowing that at least they have seen at least a glimpse of it. How do we speak about our experiences of the presence and power and reality of God? In the Middle Ages, people built great cathedrals, buildings of awesome scale with bright reflective stained glass windows that silently told Bible stories so that just standing inside the place gave people an experience of overwhelming holiness and the greatness of God paired together with a humbling recognition of how small we are as human creatures and how blessed we are that the holy God would even notice us. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City in Upper Manhattan is a more contemporary cathedral, not quite finished yet. And it has a huge pipe organ up in the chancel that has trumpet pipes way back over the entrance to the nave that's more than a football field away from the altar and from the organist. Pipes that can still almost literally blast you right out of your seat. It's awesome when you're there. If they built it in Boston, it would be wicked awesome. <laughs> And even before people built cathedrals to express their awesome experiences of God, they would still pile up stones, making spots where holy encounters had happened. The Old Testament is full of such stories, including Jacob building an altar by the place where he found himself to be wrestling with God through the night. Ever since the 5th century, Celtic Christians have spoken of and noted what they call thin places. Places where the veil between this world and the eternal world is thinnest and God's presence and light is most easily shining through. If you ever travel through Scotland and Ireland, you will find such thin places where special encounters with holiness have happened, where people now go on pilgrimage to seek to repeat them for themselves. So how do you speak about your experiences of the presence of God? How do you put into words those moments when all of those things you've been taught about God, what God is like, how God is at work in your life and your world, actually happened in some real and unmistakable way? What do you say when things that you've tried so hard to believe without being able to see them suddenly are visible and you do see them, experience them, find yourself standing in awe in the presence of something holy? Where is your cathedral? What places and times in your life are those thin places where the distance between God and you has been, maybe still is, narrowest? This Lent, at all of our Wednesday evening evening prayer services, we're hoping to have at least five people, one each week, share their own thin place stories with the rest of us to tell us about times or places when faith got real, when light shined through, 
what we sometimes call God's sightings, when God showed up in the most vivid way. As I said, not everyone would have such a story to tell, but I believe there have to be several among us, and I hope at least five will be willing to share their story with the rest of us. So think about it, and let me or Pastor Josh know if you'd like to be one of those five this Lent. We have 10 days before the first one. <laughs> one of my own thin places is on my sailboat in the middle of a lake, where the wind provides me both power and direction, even though I can't see it. And yet it's not itself in any way under my control. I can use that wind to get where I need to go, or I can choose to fight against it when it wants to take me somewhere else. Sometimes it's too much and overwhelms me. Sometimes I need to wait patiently for it to even stir. Other times when it abandons me completely, I discover how hard it is to row my own boat alone. Now, of course, in one sense, those are all metaphors for my life with God. But on my boat, they all somehow seem very real, powerfully true, my God nearby. It is perhaps my thinnest place. And then there's here, in this pulpit, when I know that on the one hand, I'm speaking words that I have put together, that I have researched and looked into and studied from scripture, ideas that occurred to me that I've crafted into a sermon. And yet, not every week, but often enough, I can tell that between my mouth and your ears, something else is going on, something else is happening, some other presence and power is at work, some Holy Spirit wind is blowing, and I'm aware that I'm not really steering this boat either. Thin places. Maybe it's holding a baby over the baptismal font. Maybe it's wondering with a dying person about what heaven is like. Maybe it's talking with a teen about what makes me think all this God stuff is real. Peter, in his, second, in his letter that is our second reading for today, speaks about his experience at the event that is today's gospel reading. He says that he and James and John had been eyewitnesses there of Jesus' majesty. We ourselves, he said, heard God's voice come from heaven. He described the experience of seeing Jesus with Moses and Elijah as having the prophetic message, a message he had always heard about, more fully confirmed. So what is your transfiguration story, your thin place? What is the experience of God that if you ever could, you might just try to build into a cathedral? And might you be willing on a Wednesday evening this Lent to share it with the rest of us? That is why we're here, after all. So that God, through the same words and images that God's people have used for centuries to try and describe the indescribable, can now make this a thin place, a place of transfiguration of a prophetic word more fully confirmed. Whether it's a cloud or a dazzling light or a veil pulled back, whether it's the strong voice of Jesus or the still small voice of God that Elijah heard on another mountain, this is what we do when we come together here on Sunday. We borrow words and prayers and songs and gestures that others have passed down to us because for them, they narrowed the gap made the space thin between God and them. 
And we count on those things to be able still to do it again. Not that every worship service can or should be a mountaintop experience, but somehow and somewhere they are all grounded in such awesome events. And they are our way to reclaim the holiness that somewhere along the way caught us by surprise and took stronghold of our lives. Peter, of course, wanted very much to stay. He wanted the experience to last and not end. But the vision he was given was not an end in itself. It was a tool to equip him, strengthen him for what was coming next. Keep listening, Peter, the voice from heaven said to him and the others. Keep listening as Jesus now journeys to Jerusalem and the cross. Keep watching for that same bright glory to shine even through rejection, crucifixion, and death on the way to emerging victorious at Easter. Our world is full of thin places. The transfiguration story is about seeing briefly with clarity and with our human eyes what God sees all the time with holy eyes, helping us to trust God's presence and power even when our vision of it is clouded. I've now told you a little bit about my thin places, and I'd like in the coming weeks of Lent to hear about some of yours. When in your life of faith did the light shine brightest? When was the veil lifted, even if just for a moment? Where were you when you felt the awesome presence and power of God? I know that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I know the rest of us would love to hear you share it. And if just a few of you do, then everyone who comes on Wednesday evenings this Lent will be able to say, along with Peter, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Amen.